Welcome to Rose Tinted, a podcast where we challenge the limits of our nostalgia by re-examining some of our favourite childhood movies. I'm Ollie Chip. And I'm Paddy HK. And this week we are looking at Mouse Hunt. Welcome to Rose Tinted. Before we get started, I just want to give the uninitiated some background info about this podcast. So, Ollie and I are old friends who decided to make a list of our favourite childhood movies so we can revisit them one by one and see if they still hold up to scrutiny. So we have some loose rules for our selection process, the movies have to bear some kind of significance to our childhood or early adolescence, and we try to only select movies that we have not watched since that time. So with that out of the way, Ollie, why don't you tell us a little bit about Mouse Hunt? Uh, so Mouse Hunt was released in the US in 1997. It stars, for some reason, Lee Evans uh, and Nathan Lane, who is the voice of Timon from The Lion King, and um, also a really great cameo appearance from Christopher Walken as well. Um, it was directed by Gore Verbinski. This was his first feature, uh, and he's he went on to direct the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. I don't know if all of them, because there's about 60 Pirates of the Caribbean movies. It cost 38 million. Like, the... The figures of these movies that we're watching, like, <laughs> astound me. Like, yeah. $38 million for this film just seems insane. Um, but to be fair, it cost $38 million, but it made 122.4. It was second in the box office only to Titanic. Wow. So this movie was, like, seriously well-received by audiences. Really, really mm. popular. Um, it's one of the first ever films to be released by DreamWorks, as we know it. I think they released a couple of movies in the September, uh, and this was released in December. I think it was DreamWorks' like, first major release. And obviously DreamWorks now are just like a household name, aren't they? But at this yeah. point in time, this was like their, 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 first, their first foray into, into feature films. And then the last bit of trivia I've got before I get onto the summary, uh, William Hickey, who plays their dad... Uh, actually died in June of the year of its release. So this was released in December and, and he died in the June. He died at 69 years old, right, William Hickey? In this movie, he looks about 400. He does not look well in this movie, <laughs> let's just say I'm that. I'm not surprised if that scene at the start, where they're in the hospital, he's on his actual deathbed. No, seriously, I, I have notes about that. It was frankly harrowing, <laughs> but I think we're getting we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Um, so did you say you wanted to uh, give us a quick plot summary as well, just for anyone that hasn't seen it? Yeah, so... Two oddball brothers inherit a string factory from their late father. The string industry is dying and through a series of mishaps, the two brothers become broke and homeless. They move into their father's old estate, a house occupied by a very intelligent and fiercely territorial mouse. <laughs> Upon finding out that the house is worth a huge sum of money, the two brothers battle to kill the irritating mouse before hosting an auction of the property to solve their financial woes for good. Yeah, that's a fantastic summary. Uh, really nails it, yeah. Uh, what about the one-sentence summary? A string cheese origin story told primarily from the perspective of a sadistic rodent. Absolutely no way. <laughs> my my one-sentence summary was the untold history of cheese string. <laughs> <laughs> what a twist. <laughs> um, so what do you remember from this movie? So um, I didn't remember a whole lot from this movie. I remembered 
Lee Evans's performance because obviously he's a very physical actor and I think that's where his strengths lie and with some of the slapstick in this movie he really shines. I remembered feeling mildly unsettled at numerous points during the movie but I wasn't sure why Um, and for some reason I remembered John Goodman being in the movie but then it turned out John Goodman isn't in the fucking movie and I got and I was mistaken and I got this mixed up with the borrowers Uh, okay yeah I see I see that so basically I realized the reason I probably liked this movie so much as a kid is it falls into this kind of strange category of movie where there's like hapless cartoonish protagonists or villains who face off against much smaller foes so you've got things like uh, the live action version of 101 Dalmatians which is basically the exact same movie but with Dalmatians instead of mice Mm -hmm. and then you've got Home Alone but instead of a mouse it's Macaulay Culkin and then you've got like Matilda which is sort of tonally a little bit similar as well so it just falls into this mildly absurd slightly dark category of screwball children's comedy which I really gravitated towards when I was younger Mm -hmm. Uh, what about you? Yeah, similar, really, like, Lee Evans was the most vivid memory I had of the film, mainly his, like, gesticulating and his facial expressions, Mm -hmm. more than anything he said. Um, What I found interesting, though, is that, like, I don't ever remember laughing as a kid at this movie. I didn't remember specific scenes before watching the movie, but when I watched the movie, uh, sort of the scenes that I really enjoyed and that I laughed at sort of came back to me, and it was usually to do with Lee Evans screaming. Mm. There's a scene where Ernie, who is one of the brothers, gets shot out of the chimney and falls into the lake and then comes back in and Lars who's played by Lee Evans he gets like a a shelf falls on him and they have a scene where they're trying to speak to each other but they can't they just sort of make wordless noises at each other and I remembered really laughing at that as a kid because I thought it was just a great piece of physical comedy well interestingly this film got two laughs out of me and that was one of them that interaction between the two where he comes in from outside freezing cold from the frozen lake uh, and they're just sort of trying to communicate with each other about what's happened and they're just sort of doing like vague arm motions and strange little noises and sounds to each other that made me laugh I I found that quite funny see it's interesting I laughed a surprising amount during this movie but strangely enough not very much of it was to do with the slapstick humour or the physical humour. It was actually to do with the script and some of the dialogue. So a lot of the laughs I got were because of the dialogue. Yeah. Um, so I guess, do you mind if we just dive straight into the things that we enjoyed about the movie? Because I think that might be a quite a good starting point. No, let's do it. Let's do it. So I think the main thing that I really liked about the movie was a lot of the dialogue driven humor is very, it's quite witty and it's quick and it's mature. Some lines that stuck out to me that actually really made me laugh was um, they walk past a homeless guy in the street and like Ernie's like, ah, sleeping in the street. It's just pathetic. And then the homeless guy goes, if I had a house, I'd sleep in it. (laughs) It's just like, that really made me laugh. Um, And when they're first trying to start facing off with the mouse, Ernie just goes, get me my Gouda. (laughs) (laughs) It's just little, little, little lines like that I thought were really funny and really well written. And I think just generally speaking, especially in the first act of the movie, which I think is the strongest, the tone and the themes are just generally a lot more 
adult and mm. it made me engage with the movie quite a lot what were some of the things that stuck out to you immediately um <laughs> well i think we, we're developing a trend here dude that not much i'm sort of jealous of you like you get well enraptured with these movies and you have sort of like a fondness for them and then i have this sort of fondness that i think i have for them and then i watch them and i'm just like oh fuck this but yeah i got two laughs i got the one like i just mentioned about the the two brothers talking to each other and the first laugh for me came right at the start of the movie they're carrying their dead father down the steps of the church and they drop the casket and he flies into the air and down an open manhole cover into the sewers he catapults catapults through the air and i think i think it's sort of the noise it makes when he hits the manhole because it just goes thump like that like a comedy a comedy thump and because it's like because obviously rigor mortis has set in on the car it's like a projectile yeah 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 he's just (laughs) spinning like a fucking baton well the the thing is in that opening sequence is that actually you get like a coffin's eye view of the action like it cuts doesn't it to a close-up of the corpse inside the coffin it's so weird and that's what i mean by like um when i was talking about what i remembered from the movie i remembered being like mildly unsettled at numerous points in the movie and when you think about it it's mainly from the opening act because the film establishes like a really dark tone well this is a kid this is a kids movie dude that starts with a funeral yeah exactly so like you know that's the thing that i took from it as a overall positive is that i liked the weirdly dark and disturbing atmosphere that's created throughout the whole film yeah and everything everything that happens is sort of like sickening like everyone is sort of like ill or just like not quite human a little bit uncanny and a little bit weird it was almost like a a tim burton movie in that regard like i don't i'm not a massive fan of tim burton to be honest but like what i do like about him is his ability to create these very quirky dark sinister characters yeah i agree and in a similar sense i actually thought it reminded me a bit of terry gilliam because one word that I associate with Terry Gilliam's movies and the characters in his movies is they're quite queasy, you know? <laughs> yeah. So Terry Gilliam obviously directed Brazil. It was a Python as well, right? Yeah, Python was one of the things that came to mind. And there's sort of that black comedy and that queasiness is very much a part of his aesthetic. And I really got that in the opening act. That's what drew me into the film initially, mm. is like the opening act could really be appreciated by adults. In fact, I think it could only really be understood by adults. It establishes themes such as mortality, poverty, existentialism, divorce, things like that. And <laughs> yeah. it's these, these really heavy topics. And there's like we've touched on, there's two deaths in the opening 10 minutes of the film because there's obviously the dad and his flying corpse but then the mayor <laughs> oh chokes yeah chokes to death on a cockroach which is sort of like the inciting incident for ernie losing his restaurant and you know becoming desperate enough to try and auction off the house that he gets in his father's will so basically like yeah the two brothers one's a sort of a restaurant owner and chef and the other one the other one works for the string factory that his dad's got right yeah so uh timon i'm just gonna call him timon from now on <laughs> it makes it a bit easier timon he's the restaurant owner and he cooks it's so convoluted thinking about it he gets a box of cigars from his dead dad and he takes the box of cigars to the restaurant and he's cooking for the mayor on election day and then the cockroach comes out of the box of cigars and goes into his lobster thermidor or whatever it is yeah and then the mayor eats half of the cockroach the head i think but weirdly throws up the head. 
So maybe yeah. he doesn't choke on the head, but he throws up the head of the cockroach and then his two like hauntingly sinister children who are like <laughs> these twin girls start like viciously trying to stab half a cockroach on the table. Yeah. It's fucking well disturbing. It is very disturbing and, and very unnerving. And I think it's established later on in the movie, the mayor actually dies of a heart attack, but it was unequivocally related to the meal that he had. It's tied to the meal that he had. So yeah, I appreciate the dark tone in the opening act. Um, and the way the movie established itself as a black comedy and the wittiness of it and the sort of themes that it was playing with. Um, And then I've just got one more thing on my list. I think Christopher Walken is an absolutely brilliant casting choice and I actually think he's sorely underused in this movie. Yeah. Because he's basically... So Christopher Walken plays the exterminator and he's basically channeling his character from Deer Hunter and he's like... He nails this absolutely haunted, dead-eyed look like this guy's seen some shit. He's a a mouse assassin, isn't he? Yeah, basically. But he's also... He's one of the few people that doesn't underestimate the mouse (laughs) because he knows, man. He's stared into the abyss and he survived um but yeah so i think there was a lot to enjoy in this movie um the script is good it's witty the performances are good the individual moments of slapstick can be well executed and i thought the stuff to do with the mouse and the stuff to do with christopher walken is brilliant but that's more or less it in terms of my list of good stuff okay well i tell you what let's let's have a a quick break and then when we come back we'll um rip this film a new asshole as it were Okay, so Ollie, um, I know you're raring to go, so why don't I just let you off the leash and why don't you tell me what you <laughs> didn't like about this movie? Why don't you shit on yet another childhood? <laughs> um, okay, well, like straight off the bat, and again, we're going to be saying this a lot about late 90s films, but the CGI and the, and the special effects, generally speaking, were atrocious. Um, and it's again, it's just another example of a late 90s movie that is using CGI for the sake of it mm. and not to actually add anything to the aesthetic qualities of the film. Like the puppet mouse and the live action mouse are thoroughly more entertaining than the CGI mouse is. That would be my first minor criticism of it is that it didn't really need them either like it was in there like fleetingly the cgi and it just didn't really need it i think they could have probably just cut all of that shit out and just kept the puppet and the live action mouse um yeah so other than that like i i also referenced this a little bit earlier like other than the two times it made me laugh i didn't think it was particularly funny and you know it's trying to focus in on the slapstick comedy element it's clearly trying to be despite its dark tone it's clearly trying to be a comedy film but it just isn't really that funny i was relatively bored like the first act you know first scene a corpse flies like an arrow out of a coffin down a well (laughs) i'm like cool i'm on board keep going along this angle and you've got me movie and then after that it just sort of peters into nothing yeah 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 it got two laughs out of me and probably eight or nine titters where i was like huh, oh yeah do you know what i mean like it wasn't like dull and unfunny yeah. it just wasn't particularly funny that's what i'm sort of getting at like you expect from a movie of this sort to be constantly waiting for that next punchline and that next joke and it never yeah. really has that traction yeah and there was also that one attempted joke which was probably the only line in the movie that i found to be truly problematic 
And this is another thing that I think we're going to have to address and acknowledge right now because it is going to be a thing that will be an issue in other movies as well. Movies of this era are notoriously, they're not very diverse. Mm -hmm. They're mainly white movies. They're very, you know, heteronormative and very male-focused. All of these things, you know. 90s movies that we loved as kids are not very diverse movies and that's a problem and it is something that we could address in absolutely every single movie that we talk about but it would just be the same conversation. Mm -hmm. But when it jumps out at you is something that should be acknowledged and basically the way it jumped out at me in this movie is there's that one attempt at a joke where um ernie who is also the voice of timon he sees the arabic like mogul who also wants to buy the house he's like a typical sort of stereotypical arabic looking gentleman with you know the uh outfits that one would associate with that stereotype mm -hmm. yeah and uh he goes up to him and he just bows and he just says out of nowhere hakuna matata like it's just like oh let's just say some funny foreign sounding gibberish that's also a callback to this other movie that he was in and i was just like that made me cringe like you know it's the most throwaway part like the one of the yeah. most throwaway lines as well like it had literally no sort of relevance to plot or anything yeah. it was just sort of like we need to get a timon reference into this movie and some smart ass in the in the writing office went oh i know a really good way we could get this into the movie let's just do it as like a, a really sort of underhand racist <laughs> comment yeah, yeah. to this non-character in our film what i like as well the arabic guy doesn't even seem remotely perplexed he's just like oh yes carry on <laughs> like people say that to me all the time it's just kind yeah. of like it's like no why are you speaking gibberish to me that doesn't even remotely resemble the language that i speak yeah, it's bad so yeah that was that was that was something that jumped out to me that i did want to acknowledge and that'll probably be a theme in a lot of the movies that we cover there will be little moments like that that just haven't aged well they just haven't aged well um but anyway continue what other things did you not enjoy um well i thought that i mean i'm gonna ask you this question who the fuck are you meant to like in this movie because like yes. a good movie a good movie aligns the audience with one particular character mm -hmm. or i should say a good movie of this type will al align you with a particular character you can get behind their motivations you can feel sympathetic for them when they when they're yeah. down on their luck who the hell are you meant to like in this movie that was my main criticism of the movie actually and i think if we once again go back to comparing this to home alone right? In Home Alone, you've got a similar dynamic. You've got the two yep. witless criminals who are down on their luck, who are invading a house for profit, essentially. And you've got the occupant of the house who's much smaller than them trying to defend himself against their invasion. But there's a clear, obviously Home Alone has its own issues. We won't get into that. But there's a clear delineation in who the movie is trying to get you to root for. You're meant to root for Macaulay Culkin. Um, you're not meant to root for the, the Wet Bandits. You're not meant to root mm -hmm. for them, right? Um, and yet, I think the two main issues with this movie, and they are related, are how it paces the slapstick and therefore how that relates to the characterization of the protagonists, right? So it sort of shifts gears really quickly between the darker comedic tone that it establishes at the beginning and the slapstick elements in like a really jarring way. So it's like they discover the mouse. And initially in the first part of the movie, they're sympathetic dudes, you know? They're quite yeah. sympathetic, especially Lee Evans's character. He seems like a nice guy. He's quite quiet and he's quite humble and he's quite, you know, just a nice guy. Whereas his brother's a bit more complex, but they're both essentially, you understand, their motives they're both down on their luck and they're both fairly sympathetic people but then within minutes of meeting the mouse they ramp up the hysteria immediately and they're like screaming and laughing and flailing and like like there's a moment where lee evans grabs a hammer to try and smash the mouse and he's like laughing like a maniac <laughs> smash mouse somebody works <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm 
drawing a line there. No more Smash Mouth comparisons. No more. <laughs> but like, so they jump from being fairly dry straight men. And I say straight men in the sense of, you know, the comedic sense. You know, yeah, they're both yeah, straight yeah. guys. They jump from being fairly dry straight guys to screaming like utter lunatics. And I think the issue with that pacing is their hatred of the mouse feels excessive and they come across as almost like unjustifiably cruel, which feels mm. out of character, especially for Lars Lee Evans's character. So yeah, so like you said, it's not clear who the movie wants you to root for and it seems to flip between the two. Is it the mouse or is it the brothers? Who's the antagonist and who is the underdog? So sometimes the brothers come across as these obnoxious sadists who are taking pleasure in the murder of a small rodent and other times the mouse is portrayed as this like Machiavellian supervillain <laughs> <laughs> because, like, and, and they're just like the poor victims of his his rodent scheming. Well, the thing is, is the thing is as well, right? Like you're right. Like the mouse. I put in my notes for this. It just says, "Fuck the mouse. He's a little dick." Yeah. Like a lot of the times in the movie, like he's obnoxiously ill-mannered towards the humans at the start of when they move into that house they're homeless they've lost their jobs <laughs> they have no money you feel sorry for them yeah and they go to this house and then the mouse is a dick yeah yeah the point being is you really don't know who to root for and there are times yeah at first you're sympathetic for the guys and then they're acting really obnoxious and sadistic and you're like you're kind of rooting for the mouse but then there's times where the mouse is portrayed as like twizzling his mustache <laughs> like genuinely evil because it's implied i shit you not it's implied that he killed the previous owner of the house and i and this is how it's implied so the mouse has his little face off with christopher walken and it's revealed that christopher walken is found locked up in a chest in the attic and earlier in the movie they say that the previous owner of the house was found locked up in a chest in the attic and had died so this mouse is a literal murderer and also <laughs> at 100 years old apparently but also there's it, it's sort of like at the end of the movie you know the house collapses and they're finally they're on their way to their dad's factory and they're in their car driving away after all this chaos that this mouse has caused and the camera pans down and this haunting music cues in and the mouse is clinging to the bottom of the car. It's like Cape Fear. Yeah, it's Cape Fear. He's literally, literally a serial killer. He's like, so yeah, all that is to say, you're absolutely right. Like the movie doesn't seem to know who it wants you to identify with. Mm. So you keep jumping between the mouse and the guys and it all seems like more or less an excuse to create these slapstick moments that mm. sort of, like I said, aren't paced very well and fall a bit flat for me for that reason. But um, that's basically the size of the main issues that I had with it. Yeah, I think that's more or less it. Well, should we take a little break and then we'll come back to talk about what we might want to change about the movie? Okie dokie. I don't believe it. He shot the trap, ate the olive, and left the pit just to mock us. I think you're giving him a little too much credit. Okay, so we've talked about the the fleetingly good elements of this movie and and the the bulk of the argument, which is the bad moments. Like, what would you change about the movie? Um, well, I've kind of touched on this a little bit already. Again, it's sort of a similar argument we've made in other discussions of movies that we've watched, but they should have basically picked a tonal lane and just gone with it. For me personally, the thing that fell flat about the movie was the slapstick comedy, even though I really enjoyed that as a child. I thought the most interesting part of the movie by far was the first 15, 20 minutes was the opening act. And I think they should have really leaned into the black comedy elements to really emphasize how the boys are being driven 
driven to desperation by a fear of death and poverty, you know? So you've got this premise, which is, you know, these guys who are facing off against a rodent, and it's the kind of premise that is the stereotypical children's movie premise and it would have just been so interesting to show how their conflict with this rodent is literally a result of just sheer desperation and yeah other than that they should have definitely expanded on the Christopher Walken character and that sequence because I think there was a real potential to mine some comedy out of his character. Like I said, you could have had the movie pick who you're supposed to identify with, i.e. the two guys who are trying to buy the house. Have the movie make you identify with them and have it treat the mouse as pure evil and that in itself is ridiculous and funny. And then have Christopher Walken be the conduit through which you understand that concept because like I said, he has the haunted eyes of a man who's dealt with mouse kind all of his life you know um so yeah that's basically what i would change is lean into the black comedy elements a bit more and expand on christopher walken's character because as with many of the other movies we've discussed there's way too many tertiary characters and i think like i just wanted more walken and having him and the two brothers be at the center of the movie would have been sort of a much stronger backbone i think yeah, I, I I think so. And if I was to change, if I was to remake this movie, I would probably change the whole backstory of the two brothers to begin with. Mm. I would make their business not manufacturing string, but actually be the pest controllers themselves. So mm. have them as the Christopher Walkens. Yeah. Just basically like categorize your characters more succinctly. So have hero and villain. Like in these sorts of caper movies, the caper movie sort of formula relies on having a clear dichotomy of good and bad. And this movie definitely doesn't have that. Yeah, and that's, again, where its strength would have been. Its strength would have been in treating it as a subversion of Home Alone, where Kevin is the mouse, but he's also a sociopath. Yeah. Like, you know... And, well, and, to be fair, Kevin is a sociopath. Yeah, I, I mean, there's modern there's modern <laughs> interpretations of Home Alone that are basically, like, it's a classist nightmare, and Kevin is basically <laughs> an entitled little swine. But then again, you know, the villains in that movie do threaten to bite his fingers off, so, you know, it's give and that's take. True. Yeah. isn't it yeah. but um no i absolutely agree i think it would have been really interesting to have like them be the two exterminators going into the house and then they realize that this mouse is too much for them so they then go and find christopher walken he's like this legendary pest control <laughs> guy like you know whose help they have to solicit to tackle this predator like you say well no what no what you would have is you'd have you'd have the brothers dynamic that they've got but like instead of having them both relative buffoons like mm. lee evans and timone are like varying degrees of buffoons aren't they like they're both idiots but one's slightly more idiotic than the other in different regards i would have i would cast the two brothers one would be the christopher walken character and the other one would be lee evans yeah agreed. so one's rubbish and one's like taking it too seriously yeah. and they're both they both fail in capturing this mouse and i also think that like this movie needs to have a better reason than well, what, what reason does the mouse have to be so callous towards the humans? I mean, make the mouse the villain, but make his motivations for being villainous more obvious, is what I would say. Like, you could even do, like, an, a, a really ridiculous thing where the mouse has lured these pest controllers to the house that he's in because they've murdered one of his fam... Like, they've killed a mouse in the past that's, like, a family member. Do you know what I mean? So it's like he's setting a trap for the pest controllers. Like, yeah. do something like that to make the mouse 
Chris's motivations far more believe. I, I'm saying believable in the loosest possible sense, but do you know what I mean? Like, makes it more believable yeah. in terms of like, why are you basically physically assaulting these people? But oh, well, it's because they've killed your family member. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, and also I just wanted to do a little side note. You can tell we're trying to have serious discussions about children's movies because you literally just used the sentence the mouse's motivations <laughs> like you know like, but yeah and i do agree and i think um having just christopher walken and lee evans would resolve another issue in that no racism <laughs> no racism but also the dynamic of uh, the two characters should have been the straight man and the you know weirdo you know yeah, like yeah. like and but instead what they're doing is they try and have both characters be both of those things at yeah. different times in the movie which is why it, it's inconsistent and it falls flat whereas you could have had christopher walken being like the hardened you know veteran, veteran. yeah of that of that particular industry and then have his brother or his colleague or whoever like the apprentice like yeah. he's teaching him the trade or something yeah exactly it would have been it would have been a lot better um well, you've done it again, man. I mean, you're really good at knowing what to change about movies. It's, it really is um, it's a credit to you. Um, Thanks, man. But, yeah, it's... I mean, on the one hand, you do hate them, but on the other hand, <laughs> on the other hand, you, you're motivated to change them, which I suppose is a positive thing. Um, well, I wouldn't... You know, I don't want them to exist as they are, so I'm trying to do it all in my power to change that if I can. Yeah, very good. Very good. Well, um... I guess the only thing left to ask you is, do you think you need rose-tinted specs to enjoy this movie, or do you think it holds up? Uh, I'm going to say that you don't need mm. those glasses, those or specs, as you say, to appreciate this movie now. I think that it's not a slapstick comedy movie that you watch for laughs. Mm. Like, it's not particularly funny, I don't think. It, it's got some fleeting highlights to its to its comedy. But I think, like, just aesthetically it's it's interesting to watch there are some relatively good action sequences mm -hmm. with some nice puppeteering and special effects um i don't think like anything is too dated to make it uncomfortable to watch as an adult and mm. i'd actually probably say that this movie is for adults more than it's for children so yeah. you know actually watching it now i've i appreciated it a lot more like i managed to make more sense of a lot of the dialogue which as a kid just flew straight over my head i was more interested in you know lee evans being beaten up by a rodent mm. but like in in my rewatch of it as an adult like i i paid much more attention to what they were talking about mm. and you know I was thinking at the time, fucking hell, a kid is never going to understand anything that's happening here. But yeah. as an adult, I could actually like understand what was going on. So I would actually say that this is a this is a movie, probably the first one we've studied so far, where being an adult improves it, if anything. Oh yeah, I would I would probably agree with you. Actually, I think I think that I did find a whole bunch of new things to appreciate about this movie, basically, and I understood it and engaged with it on a level that I completely did not expect. You know, mm. um, I don't think it's a phenomenal movie, no. but that's not the question that we're asking. It doesn't survive on nostalgia alone, basically. No, no. Yeah. And it, you don't have to rely on your memory of it to enjoy it. Like there are new things to mine out of it, watching it as an adult. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so I think that's more or less it. I think we've done it. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for listening to Rose Tinted. Once again, I just need to give a shout out to Dilettante for letting us use their song My Dress as our theme tune. Uh, I have been Paddy. And I've been Ollie. Please join us next time so we can ruin yet another aspect of our childhoods. Yeah.